Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode. Welcome to the lineup. Officer Magazine's roundup of this week's police and law enforcement news. I am your host, Joe Vince, assistant editor for Officer Magazine, and back after a relaxing week on vacation. And back with me for my return is... Retired Lieutenant Frank Borelli. And I got to tell you, the vacation, it wasn't yes. so relaxing, but I'm, I'm, it was there and I appreciate it. Uh, I know you, you're, you're back from vacation as well. So hopefully uh, we're both in the right frame of mind and not still somewhere on a beach. Oh, and you had to remind me. But I'll I'm gonna get back into the work mindset and let's uh, let's get started um, with our first story. It is out of um, Michigan, where a Warren police officer um, used what was probably one of um, the most Im- one of the more important tools an officer can have with them, and that is their compassion. Um, while responding to a 911 call uh, reporting a distressed teenager who had been seen holding a gun to his head, um, body camera footage captured uh, this Warren police officer um, engaging with the young man, talking with him, uh, the body man had told him i just i just want to die and um the officer was there to to tell him hey no it's like there are people who care about you um it's uh it's it's gripping and touching footage um you also see too the precautions that um his these this officer's colleagues were also taking because this was um uh, a man who had a gun they weren't sure where how that situation could um what direction that could go but um again kudos to this officer for um saving a life and and hopefully um you know sparing a family a lot of hurt and tragedy yeah. Um, so there's two observations I want to make here, Joe. Mm-hmm. One, uh, and I wasn't the first person to coin the term, but the term compassionate warrior uh, mm-hmm. has been around for centuries. And, uh, you know, there's that old old saying about I'd rather be a warrior in a garden than a garden, a gardener in a war. Uh, you know, if, if you're capable of violence and, and, and necessary physical conflict, but you filter that through compassion, uh, then you have a justification that is righteous and moral. Uh, you know, this officer, and the, the second observation is you're right, kid had a gun, um, and you never know where the suicide attempt is going to go. It, 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 you know, action always beats reaction. And if this kid decided, well, I don't have the guts to shoot myself, but I'm going to go out, you know, police, suicide by police, and he turns the gun on the officer, um, mm-hmm. you know, and then the officer has no choice but to shoot him. And, and that's a, a very tragic situation, but it's dangerous in that obviously this person's not mentally stable. Uh, they have a weapon. Um, primary goal is to m- ensure everybody's safety and to talk them down. 
but it but it is a twofold threat situation and uh kudos to the officer for uh talking this kid off the ledge so to speak yes and the the footage shows too just the the steps you know that is taken and and sort of you you the the term de-escalation is sort of the the uh uh word du jour lately but this really captures that idea of you know taking um a high tension situation and you know pull it, turning the pressure down on it and in getting a desired positive outcome yep um, and, and it's really difficult but like i said tip of the hat to these guys pulled it off um yes. you save a life and then potentially several more you never know mm -hmm. on to our next story uh this is out of miami and another uh life-saving rescue um while on patrol officer ernie fernandez um had seen a boy walking along the miami river and then this 10 year old child fell into the water and began struggling immediately officer fernandez uh was able to leap into the water pull the boy to safety um after the rescue, his parents uh, had informed police that this was a child um, who was on the autistic spectrum. And for Officer Fernandez, uh, this this rescue had uh, affected him a, a little more deeply than it might have in other situations because uh, he is the father of an autistic child and uh, than to be in it's a, a situation. Yes. Um, so again, his body camera footage uh, captured. Uh, actually, another officer's body camera footage was able to capture um, the rescue, and he had also talked about uh, uh, the incident as well. Yeah, these. Uh, this is two in a row. When when you look at it, right? We. Mm -hmm. we we talk about our stories every week and we do the lineup and we review them for the commentary and it's really a lot of fun, but I'd like to point out for everybody listening that, uh, and I assume everybody listening is pretty much pro police. I want you to share it with everybody, you know, that isn't hundred percent pro police. This is two examples. You'll never see in the mainstream media of police officers risking their lives, saving lives. Uh, in this case, you know, it becomes all the more uh, impactful. It's an autistic child. Uh, people don't think about everything an officer has on when they jump in the water. When you've got on 15, 20 pounds of crap, it's like lead weight. Uh, you know, going into water, unless you know you can stand up in it with your head above water, you're taking a real risk of drowning. And then going in to save somebody else is uh, it, it's a very significant risk. It, it's e easily as big as talking to somebody holding a gun while they're trying to talk. You know, that you don't know if they're going to threaten you or not. Uh, these two stories, as far as I'm concerned, should be headliners on every major news outlet, but it's never going to happen. Uh, politics and agendas being what they are. So I encourage everybody who listens to this, uh, share it with everybody you know that even remotely questions why police officers do what they do. Have them explain why these officers did this, and and, and then they have to they, in trying to explain why these officers save these lives, they have to, at the same time, understand the risks the officers took. 
and the sacrifices they made. And we have got to get that message out. And that is a good way leading into our next story, which which is also uh, another rescue. Uh, in this case, um, it's from Kansas, where um, two Sedgwick County uh, deputies, as uh, well as a citizen, were able to um, pull an unconscious man uh, trapped inside of a uh, van that had uh, crashed into a lake and uh, was quickly becoming submerged. Uh, what I found so compelling about this video is just um, it, it really shows just how difficult such an operation is. And a lot of times with the body camera footage, uh, it, it gets obscured, um, you know, an officer's arms in the way uh, it, with these water rescues, uh, you know, if it water on the lens and, and so on, you don't really get a clear picture. This, you're able to see the steps um, these officers were taking just to, you know, get inside the vehicle to reach the um, the person trapped, as well as how difficult it is to pull a an unconscious individual from a sinking vehicle. Um, it, it just, I, I think, if um, you know, you might hear about these stories, um, you know, week in week out, but to to actually see it uh, from this perspective uh, really shows you the, the amount of work um, that goes into it. It does. And the article that goes with the video is very compelling as well. Um, you know, when, when you have an officer who uh, he, he had agreed to work overtime, he's on his way back to the station and he, and he ends up pulling a traffic stop. Another, another deputy's going the other way is preparing to turn around and come help. You got a guy who's just an HVAC worker, an HVAC guy. I mean, all this, all of these circumstances come into just the right play at just the right moment. And I'm not an overly religious guy, but one of these folks is like, you know what? This was all divine aid. Everything, the mm -hmm. timing for everything was just perfect, even down to the people who were on the scene. Uh, excuse me, the one deputy Harris had learned water rescue when he was in the Navy, but had never had to use it in real life. Um, earlier, I talked about the weight. Uh, uh, that we all wear on duty. And this one, again, this deputy Harris, he says he, he tried to go around the front of the van, but he realized with the depth of the water, the mud, and when you think about the mud and the silt and everything at the bottom, it really can hang on to you. Mm -hmm. um, and then the additional weight that he carried, he's, you know, I knew I could drown. So he went a different way. Now, when it's all over, done and said, they save a life. Um, and there's a, where does it say they took, he, this deputy Harris noticed he had blood all over his arm. Mm -hmm. Now he's, he's in the yeah. heat of the moment. The adrenaline's flowing. We got we got to focus on saving this life. Blah blah blah. It's all done. Where where am I? I'm covered with blood. What happened? He needed 14 stitches uh, between his left hand, left wrist, and right hand, where he 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 cut himself on on the broken glass trying to save this life. And that's an example of how we really don't pay attention to the minor discomforts when we're in the um, we're in the midst of of doing anything. It's emergency oriented. Um, you know, these guys were troubled by the fact that they might be rescuing a dead body, uh, that they weren't going to mm -hmm. get that in time and they were, and they were really pushing it. But again, this is another example of how people come together. Uh, you know, they do some amazing things 
um, and we'll you will never see it on a major news network, even though it's really a compelling video. And it it illustrates that idea that um, for officers out on the street, it is about saving lives. It's saving lives. It's not sort of you know the cop show cliche of of stopping the bad guy. It's keeping people they protect safe and alive. And um, those the way we started out this episode, you know, you just see uh, what's going on on a day to day basis. Um, moving on to our next topic, um, this is an issue that uh, has been um, a hot one across the country, and that is cash bail. Um, two stories uh, made headlines this week. First, um, in Illinois, that state Supreme Court upheld a law which um, would eliminate uh, cash bail for defendants awaiting trial. Um, the ruling uh, found that um, the law did not uh, violate uh, the Illinois Constitution, and um, the changes will start going into effect um, in September. And then in um, California, in Los, uh, excuse me, Los Angeles County, um, that uh, jurisdiction has adopted new uh, sweeping policies. Uh, that will reduce how cash bail is used um, in, in that county. Um, these new rules were passed uh, unanimously by um, uh, the county's, um, it, it, uh, excuse me, the uh, Los Angeles County Superior Court's Executive uh, Committee. Um, the idea of uh, the topic of cash bail has been one that um, law enforcement officials have been talking about around the country and uh, pointing to uh, too many instances of uh, offenders who are picked up, arrested for um, uh, some type of offense, and then are either given no bail or reduced bail and putting them back out on the streets. And in a lot of cases, putting them into basically letting them commit uh, potentially more crimes. Um, and so it, again, this is something that we're not seeing just in these two areas, but um, it is a, an issue that municipalities and states are dealing with. I think it's kind of amazing, Joe. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to make a political statement here that it seems to be the really liberal run states that are that are looking at this and everything's mm -hmm. a matter of interpretation. Right. So um, cash bail was never meant to be somebody buying their freedom, which is how these people are looking at it. You know, if you have enough money, you can walk free. Well, if you're a rich person, that's a true statement. If you're a poor person, that's a true statement. If you can pay your bill, if you can pay your bail. And oh, mm -hmm. by the way, let, let's put this in perspective. I don't know how it is everywhere else. Here in Maryland, if you get a $100,000 bail, you only got to come up with $10,010 because the other 90000 is going to come from a bail bondsman, right? Mm -hmm. So all these people complaining about he got a $500 bail for, for you know speeding. Well, he's only got to pay 60 bucks. And by the way, if he goes to court, he can get a $500 fine. Now, somebody sets these bails 
and it, the the reasoning was we're going to have you set bail that you get back when you show up for trial. So it's not buying your freedom. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, it's a fiduciary guarantee that you care enough about that money, you're going to come back and get it. You're going to show up in court. So here's what I'm, I'm going to make a prediction. All these places that are either eliminating or reducing cash bail to where it's quote-unquote more affordable, I'm going to predict that what's going to happen in those states is you're going to have a whole lot of failure-to-appear warrants, what we call FTA warrants. These people are going to get arrested. They're going to get cut loose on personal recognizance, no bail, and then they're never going to show up for court. And we're going to see the number of open warrants for failure to appear skyrocket. And then we're going to have to hire more law enforcement just to go get them. We're also going to put bail bondsmen out of business in a lot of places because they make their living on this. And if Mm -hmm. there's no bail, bail bondsmen are are not needed. So, I mean, I I wonder if they really measure the the whole financial impact of these decisions. But I I think this is a bad way thing. We won't see the impact of it for a year or two. Yeah. And again, the, uh, it's the idea of that uh, they are potentially dangerous um, offenders being not being deterred from, um, I guess, keep uh, performing their craft, so to speak. Um, and like you said, this it's um, it is not buying the freedom so much as it is trying the state ensuring that um, these individuals aren't going to flee, that they are going to show up for uh, their court date. Um, and, so and sometimes it, it's not even a matter of flee. We just for, want them to show up. I mean, yeah, I'd be willing to bet. And like I said, in a year or two, we're going to see FTA warrants skyrocket. And then you're going to have whole teams of police officers and deputies and everybody built. They're going to be task forces stood up. We're going to, have to spend all kinds of extra money on budget out of the budget. And all they're going to do is go knock on somebody's door and go, hey, is John here? Yeah, John's here. John, you're under arrest. And we're just going to spend all this time and money for nothing because then we're going to take John under arrest. And unless the judge has said no bail, hold until court date, which, by the way, is going to inflate the population in our jails. Mm-hmm. Um the guy's going to see a commissioner and be like, go with no bail again. So there, there's absolutely no downside for the bad guys and no upside for the good guys here at all. It's something to keep an eye on. Uh, next story. Uh, this is out of Chicago. And um, uh, while uh, touring a uh, shelter um, being a welcome center for migrants coming to that city. Um, Mayor Brandon Johnson had said it is there is there is urgency in the city um, moving migrants who are currently staying in the lobbies of police stations uh, around the city. Um, they are trying, the officials are trying to move as quickly as possible to resolve this. But since um, these migrants have been um, transported from Texas to Chicago, uh, the city has been using its uh, uh, police facilities as um, the home for uh, these displaced individuals. And... um, to begin with, that's it probably shouldn't have been 
uh, done this way, but now that it has, it is starting to create um, some problems. And um, I, I don't know how, how quickly uh, this can be resolved. Oh, I, I can make it resolved by next week. <laughs> I can make it resolved by next week. Number one, Chicago has been a declared sanctuary city since 1985, but they apparently had no plan for the last almost 40 years in how to deal with migrants. How can you declare yourself a sanctuary city and then have absolutely no plans for helping illegal immigrants? Number one. Number two, this we're talking about a police station, right? So mm -hmm. the mayor is saying, oh, you know, it's a priority. We're going to get these migrants out of the police stations. Well, it, they haven't been making it a priority. You want to make it a priority? Take those 900 migrants and put them in city hall and let that be where they live until you find a solution. And by next Friday, There'll be a solution and all those migrants will be out of City Hall. Guaranteed. These police stations that are having to deal with this are not just police officers having to deal with it. It's every citizen that walks into that station that needs assistance for because they've been the victim of a crime or they need advice on how to avoid being the victim of a crime or whatever. And they've got to deal with the presence of all of this illegal immigration. It's real easy to blame this on Governor Abbott sending people. And, and I get all the political actions and everything, all that. I get all that. But honestly, I feel like Chicago's leadership is is playing lip service. You want to solve the problem, solve the problem, make it a priority. But until you actually are making it your top priority, you're just political grandstanding. And that's how I feel about this. And I would be willing to bet anybody in Chicago PD that doesn't depend on, I mean, I mean, the chief is appointed, so he's got to get watch what he says, right? And the deputy chiefs and stuff, they can all be fired pretty easy. Uh, as, as long as you can speak your mind without fear of losing your job, I bet that the Chicago police are going, no, come on, the mayor, he, he could do better. The city council could do better. They're not making this a priority. They're pandering to votes. And that is an ultimate sin when you're looking at how you support your law enforcement agencies. Move all these people to city hall, problem be solved next week. Yeah, and... And in this case, too, you're seeing um, what happens when um, a policy that was enacting enacted by the outgoing administration now has to be handled by the um, new administration. And uh, it, it, it is it is like you said, it's an issue that um, isn't necessarily at the top of this administration's uh, agenda. Um, but factors are, it's it just becoming, it's going to be, it probably is at that critical point. It, it's going to, it has the potential of spiraling into something a lot worse. I guarantee um, you, Joe, if you have 900 people living in a, in a police station lobby, there's crimes being committed in the police station lobby. Right. It's either not being reported because of a language barrier or it's not being recorded because people are afraid of the police or whatever the reason is. It, this is a 100% unacceptable situation they need to resolve immediately, and they have the wherewithal. They don't have the will. But before my blood pressure gets higher, let's uh, move next, on to something a little more interesting or more fun. Next story, uh, this is uh, out of Oklahoma, um, where a video captured a uh, bystander who stepped in and was able to help um, police in Tulsa capture a fleeing suspect. Um, the body camera footage shows um, officers 
um, talking uh, with an individual who um, they later found uh, was wanted on multiple felony warrants. And as they were talking with the man, uh, he made a break for it and began running. Um, luckily, well, unluckily for the suspect, uh, a driver in a pickup truck stopped his vehicle, jumped out, and was able to tackle uh, the suspect, uh, detaining him long enough for officers to uh, catch up and, and arrest him. Um, again, you know, kudos to uh, this bystander uh, and Good Samaritan for, for helping out. Uh, the department did say... Um, just advised citizens, though, to be careful not to unnecessarily put themselves uh, into a dangerous situation, even though it, what they could be doing is, is helpful. They, again, uh, looking out for the safety of those uh, they protect. Yeah, I mean, I love this. I love the fact that a citizen stepped up and helped out. I love the fact that the citizen didn't perceive a big enough threat to be timid and, and not engage. Uh, obviously, every police department has to tell citizens, hey, you know, put your own safety first. Don't risk yourself uh, engaging bad guys. That's our job. That, that, that's mm -hmm. a statement that's required. Right. But I got to tell you, as, as a retired officer, um, I I took great delight when I was chasing somebody and some citizen would trip them or some <laughs> citizen would close and lock a gate in front of them. Or uh, chasing a guy through a parking lot once, and the citizen didn't mean to help. He was backing out of a parking spot, and the, and the, the bad guy ran into the side of his car. Um, it, that's helpful. It just was unintended. <laughs> you know, we don't want citizens risking their lives, obviously, but absolutely 100% continue to show your support. And if you're mm -hmm. motivated enough to do this, God bless you. Do it. Uh, you know, accept the officer's thanks. Maybe you get an, an award from the chief of police or the sheriff or whatever. But when, when we all tell criminals you can't do it anymore, then then we have a bigger impact on crime. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Right. So you think uh, time for one last story? Wrap I, it up? Just, just real quick, because this is too stupid not to talk yeah. about. <laughs> so we'll go, of course, to, of all places, Florida. Um, where uh, deputies there, I believe this was uh, Hillsborough County, um, were, <clears throat> excuse me, pursuing a suspect through swampy marshlands. And uh, in order to find this individual, they had to search high and low. And in this case, low meant uh, beneath a boat, underwater, in alligator-infested uh, swamp. Um, I just, I if those are your two choices, uh, an arrest or alligators, boy, I, I'm going with arrest. You know, I know people, and we read these stories, so very, very uh, famous veteran, uh, unfortunately was murdered, Chris Kyle. He, in his book, he writes about how he and his brother used to, to wrestle alligators when they were teenagers for fun. And I'm like, okay, oh. that's insane. But if you're a police, if you're a criminal and you're running from the police and you are so determined not to get arrested that you're going to hide under a boat in alligator infested waters, 
you know, as a police officer, I'm not sure I'm I'm going to come get you. I mean, okay, you stay there. Well, you'll come out eventually, or you won't. Either way, my problem is solved. I don't have to come fight you down or try to rescue you. Um, this guy was wanted for, it looks like, some felony charges. He was armed with a knife. I mean, kudos to the officers for being willing to do it. But if this isn't an example of Darwinism, uh, you know, in the Dumb Criminal Award, that's what I meant when I said this is just too stupid not to talk about. If you're that dumb, you're hiding under a boat in alligator-infested waters, yeah, no. How how are you a successful criminal to begin with? That's just plain stupid. Yeah, and I've even in non-alligator-infested waters, I I never understand the thought process of jumping into the water and think, you know what, I'll wait them out. I, you know, they'll get tired or bored before I end up uh, getting too exhausted from treading water out here. Um, so, oh, and this, this last paragraph, Joe, I'm sorry. Yes. I gotta say no, finish it off. Swimming is not recommended due to a history of pollution <laughs> that includes a 1997 dam failure that dumped, and I quote, 56 million gallons of acidic wastewater into the river. Let me get this straight. I'm going to jump into acid filled water, risk being eaten by alligators because I'm trying to get away from the police who are going to very carefully handcuff me, get me clean because they don't want me in their cruiser covered in acidic water, alligator <laughs> crap, and take me someplace where I'm going to get three squares and a cot. Not the yeah. smartest guy in the world. Yeah, we got to end the week on that. That's just too good. It, yes. And that, that reminds me that I am definitely uh, back at work. So, <laughs> indeed. Um, <laughs> well again thank you everyone for listening to this uh week's episode and uh look forward to having you back uh back on here next week uh everybody out there stay safe and uh, avoid the stupid it, okay. it's, it's obviously as we have demonstrated very prevalent take care and stay safe thank you for listening to this week's episode of the lineup Please remember, the opinions voiced are not those of Officer Media Group or Endeavor Business Media, but only those speaking those opinions themselves. Thank you and stay safe.